everybody. Sorry for the uh, late start. We were having some technical difficulties trying to get the uh, feed working, but we're back. Uh, as we were saying before, as always, my name is Mike Dice. I'm Elias. And joining us on the show today, we have two um, two people calling in. We have UFC fighter Tisha Torres, a strawweight from the inaugural strawweight title season on The Ultimate Fighter. Uh, she beat Beck Rawlings and then lost to Carlos Barza in the quarterfinals, I think, and Carlos Barza would go on to win the inaugural strawweight belt. Uh, she hasn't fought since April when she fought Rose Namahunas, um, and she's returning to fight Beck Rawlings again at UFC Houston. So she's going to call in right away, and then we uh, later in the show we have boxing and MMA coach Angelo Reyes calling in to um, talk about you know some of his fighters. Uh, give us some thoughts on Ronda Rousey's performance at UFC 207. Since he's a boxing coach, he obviously has an interesting um, background and perspective um, on her striking abilities and what's going on there. I know that her boxing has been a t uh, subject of yeah. um, a lot of talk. So, is Tisha ready? Oh, yeah, she's ready whenever we are. I just got the, the go-ahead from her. Should I give her a call, Mike? Uh, yeah, let's go. Cool. Excited to chat with her. She had that rematch in April. Lost a close decision after beating Rose. She's living a cool double life now. I wanted to ask her about that as a student and fighter. Hello. <clears throat> hey, Tisha, this is Elias here with Mike Dice. How are you guys? Doing great. Thanks for making time for us. Really, really appreciate it. No problem. So, Mike, I know you had some. Uh, you wanted to dig into the dig into the exciting past before we go into the uh, the, per the current and future. Talking about tough, I know you had some questions for Tisha. Yeah, uh, one of my questions, and thank you so much for taking the time out to talk to us. Um, was how do the fights on the like when you're on the show compare to an actual UFC fight? Mm, they're lame. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> lame in the sense that like you don't have a crowd there. We don't obviously have our co our own coaching staff there people that we're most closest to and we train with daily so you're there basically alone with these people you're just thrown in with and uh told to coach you you know they've never worked a day in their life with me before and i was the first fight on the this ultimate fighter granted i wanted to be the first fight but it was hard you know um to get in there and try to learn um how these people coach within you know a week's time At Tisha, this is Elias. Now, I, uh, I, I, I remember talking to you. I think I talked over the phone right before, like when you had just gotten word that the tough season was going to happen and you were heading over. And I remember one of the things you talked about was being at a point in your life where you were like, you even had a conversation with your mom. You're like, all right, I'm setting a date, an age date. If, um, if I'm not able to make a living by X period of time and you had a date set uh, from fighting, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go back to school because – you're you're you know you're multi-talented and mul have multiple interests uh, and uh, and you said all right Ed, I'm gonna do this X Y and Z. Eventually you did get the opportunities in fighting. Now you're you're continuing to fight, but you're also uh, a student. You're you're in a graduate student working towards your master's. Uh, from what I've been reading, it, when you decided to go back to school, did you think okay that's it no more fighting or did you plan all along to do both of them at the same time? I plan on to do both of them at the same time, but um, unfortunately, I've been out for a while, um, not to my liking. You know, I've been healthy, but I haven't fought in 10 months, mm. so uh, I've had time to focus on my studies, but at the same time, I say focus on my studies, I thought I'd be fighting, so I would continue, I've been continuing to train like I had a fight, 
uh, for the past 10 months, but I never got one, so. Wow, so the, know, I, it, it's been a struggle. I was going to ask you, like, I didn't know the, you hadn't fought since April. I didn't know if that was, like, by design or you wanted to focus only on school or you were injured and stuff, but it sounds like you were looking for a fight. You just couldn't get it, which is kind of crazy to think about. You're a top contender in the division. Yeah, I just didn't get uh, a fight lined up, and eventually I did now with um, this next one coming up. But, um, you know, it is what it is. Everything happens for a reason, and uh, I've been doing well with my studies, and I plan on um, doing things after with it as well. So, um, I mean, you know, I'm doing two passions at the same time. I felt like I had a lot of free time uh, when I was just competing in the UFC, but now I feel like I have no free time. So it's it's pretty funny. <laughs> I want I, I want to get back into what you're thinking you want to do with with uh, what you're learning in, in the academic world uh, in the future. But for now, I was curious. I I saw I remember you, your tweets going out and different posts you'd put on, on social media um, during basically the lead up to your to your last fight, and you'd be posting like you know your books and during fight week and stuff. I mean. It's kind of amazing and it's kind of funny to see that happening, but real world, like how challenging is that to be training for a fight but still have, you know, essays or exams coming up? I mean, is it is it a thing, Tisha, where you're, you're, you have some, you're glad to have something to get your mind off of a fight or is it actually eat into your time to the point where you kind of have like a part-time training camp? Um. <laughs> In the beginning, I, I don't think I was as realistic as I should have been when I signed up for graduate school. But um, at the end of the day, it's something that I've always wanted to do. Um, yeah, it's really hard. Uh, that, that fight camp was hard. It was my first semester. Um, and it was hard. You know, I was doing my finals when I was <laughs> fighting, about to fight Rose. So I was trying to, you know, make weight and stuff. And I had my girlfriends there. Unfortunately, I shouldn't have had them in my room because <laughs> at certain points, I, I told them pretty much this to be quiet or shut up because I was trying to concentrate. But um, I really enjoy school. It, it's been a fun year. Um, my program wasn't that long, so in total it would only be a year and a half. And I'm, I'm ready to finish in May. And yeah, it, it, I'm, right now I'm still in, I'm obviously uh, in my last semester, and I'm doing homework. And I like last night I was sat there writing down the next three weeks of everything that's due just so I stay on top of it since I know uh, I'll be traveling soon to uh, Texas for the fight. So I wanted to ask you about school. Is it really like kind of an oasis for you? Like, are you able to get away at school and kind of blend in with everybody? Or are you like a celebrity? Like, I know I went to, I went to a big football school and everybody knew who the athletes were and they were like celebrities on campus. Do you experience that at all? No, I, I, I wouldn't say I'm a celebrity. They, they know who I am and some people will recognize me, but I'm not on campus much. I'm just on campus at night and, uh, I just go to class and I come out. I don't really stick around for anything. Uh, Tisha, I w you mentioned a little bit uh, ago, like having to, having to uh, ha have finals at the same time as you're, you're cutting weight and getting ready to fight. I mean, listen, I I, I maybe I'm I wasn't a very good student. I've had stuff moved back because of like a cold or some nonsense. Did you even try to explain it to professors? Like, hey. I'm going through some extreme dehydration before I'm locked in a cage. Maybe I can do this next week. Or did you, like, could you could you not get a little bit of a reprieve, or did you not even try? No, I wouldn't try at this <laughs> level. Um, <laughs> there's no trying like that. Either you're all in or you're not. You know, people are uh, in graduate school and have families, children you take care of every night, and husbands and stuff. So uh, 
it's it's definitely um, a challenge, but it's not something that I can't do. I think there's people who face more difficulties than I do um, that get through it too. Is this this match? You you were waiting for a fight again for for so long. It sounds like. Were you able to get really amped up for this fight for that reason alone, or were you honestly kind of hoping for maybe a, a, a different opponent, or does it not matter that much to you? Um, hmm. Let me see how I'm going to say it. Um, I'm happy to fight. I'm definitely happy to fight. Um, my motivation doesn't come from my opponent. It comes from the fact that I want to get back there and get in the win column since, you know, my last one was my first loss, and it, it was really tough on me. But, uh, yeah, so I'm motivated to get back in there and win. The opponent really doesn't matter. Uh, I think it's a, a very winnable fight in all aspects. So I think it's a good fight to come back on. We'll put it like that. And, and Deesha, I'm curious what you, you mentioned now you have, uh, you know, maybe a better idea of, of how you want to use um, this this advanced degree, this graduate degree, once you get it. I'm curious to, we're curious to hear about that, like what types of um, careers you, you want to go into. I know I've read other interviews uh, before where you talked about possibly different law enforcement stuff, maybe at the federal level looking into. Um, so I want to hear about that. Like what, what are you thinking of doing with, with what you learned um, moving forward? I know that's an annoying question that everyone asks. What are you going to do with your, your degree? What are you going to do with your degree? But I'm just curious. Uh, and then secondly, do you plan to continue to have two careers afterwards? You're still really young and still a top contender. Do you plan to um, fight full-time while working another career full-time, or will you put that next career on hold a little bit again while you, while you focus on fighting? Um, right when I graduate, I will not um, look for a career-type job in my field, but eventually one day I'd like that. But I'm not really, to be honest with you, it won't be for a few years. I plan on fighting for a few more years. Um, you know, this is something that I'm really passionate about, and it's not always going to be there for me like a career. So, um, like I said, I am young enough to do that. So I just want to take advantage of being able to fight right now. But I also do have some other things in the mix that uh, I, I want to happen. I want to happen later this year. So we'll see how things go. Um, but I have some plans that I want to do later this year. I mean, we're not going to make you tell us if you don't want to but that certainly sounds interesting yeah um just family wise gotcha um, gotcha yeah cool cool so you're, you're going into this houston fight that you've talked about uh you're fighting beck rollins again you guys fight on the ultimate fighter but things are a little bit different as you said before do you can you look back at that and you know what you need to do this next time around oh for sure it was a only a two-round fight since it was on the ultimate fighter um, and then they did the decision to fight on both rounds. So I think that um, both of us have, you know, evolved and changed. It has been, I think, like two years now or two and a half by the time we fight. Uh, but I think it's going to be a fun fight. I, I know she brings the fight, and she likes to come forward at you the whole time. She has great cardio. She's, um, I, I think her boxing is her, her best strength. Um, but that was when we fought two and a half years ago. From what I've seen her, her last fight, I didn't get to see too much of it. You know, it ended kind of quickly. It wasn't too busy the first round. But I think she's a talented fighter. I just don't think that she's, you know, a top 10 girl or anything like that. Now, Tisha, you're, you're an East Coaster. You, you, uh, you're from Massachusetts, I believe. You also train extensively, uh, obviously, and out of Florida. Um, 
Have you been while well, you've been, I don't we don't know where you're in school. You don't have to tell us where you're at school specifically. But are you um, have you been doing your camps um, up north or, or in Florida? No, I'm in school in South Florida, but I go to Colorado a lot because uh, my girlfriend lives there. Uh-huh. So um, I was training there for the first four weeks, and now the last three weeks I'm here in Florida. Uh, it was really nice to get out and train there with the high altitude. I wish I could have done you know my entire camp there, to be honest. Um, but I have school and other priorities down here. But it, it was nice getting a, a different scene and uh, you know some different type of coaching there. Who are you working with out there in Colorado? All of her coaches. Cool. Um, yeah. did, did you do? I, and I, then, uh, no, go ahead. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Uh, she, she trains a lot with the uh, Olympic Training Center and uh, uh, Team USA Boxing. So I got to train with a lot of the WCAP girls and um, some Olympic wrestlers. So it was really nice. Oh, that's pretty cool. Did you get to do that before the April fight, or is this the first time you're able to go up to Colorado? This is the first time I went and actually trained like a, oh. a fight camp there. That's cool. Yeah, I really wanted to fight in the Denver card to be honest, but my opponent didn't, so uh, got Houston. <laughs> why not? Why? Because the elevation. I mean, they're only a week apart, so scheduling couldn't have been I'm, an I'm, issue. I'm guessing that's what she wants. She didn't want to fight in the elevation. I mean, it does suck to be honest. I fought in Mexico, and that wasn't nice at all. But since I was already training there, I felt like you know it'd be really nice to fight there. And since Raquel's from there and stuff. It would have been awesome, but Houston's nice too because the fan crowd and stuff like that. So I'm down with Houston. Do you feel like the training at altitude is um, it, that it actually pays off when you're fighting at altitude? Oh, for sure. I mean, just coming back and trying to keep my lungs working as they were working when they were there. That's been difficult. So I've been trying to continue to push my cardio. But um, I, I saw the difference, you know, my, coming back and now continuing my last few weeks here in Florida, um, I cardio feels phenomenal, and it's always pretty good in a fight, but I just think it's going to be, you know, even better and exceptional this fight. That's awesome. Well, Tisha, we really appreciate you taking this time so close to your fight to chat with us. We definitely want to have you again at, on afterwards. We're, we're so excited to, to watch you get back in there and, and do your thing. Wish you the best of luck. Oh, well, thank you, guys. Appreciate it. Thank you. Take care. You're welcome. Have a good one. You too. It was nice of her to take time out to talk to us despite uh, having class in school. You know, yeah. It always, <laughs> I think a lot of people don't necessarily realize this, but there's a lot of fighters who have to juggle multiple careers yeah. or jobs or other obligations. Um, you know, you, you noticeably see it with the people who work like the UFC uh, Fox and like Tyron Woodley is yep. an, an example because he was on the broadcast recently. Like, he lives in St. Louis. He trains in Milwaukee, mm-hmm. and he has to go do these shows. You know, the studio shows, uh, UFC Snyder or for fight nights and whatnot. So in much travel. LA, yeah. I mean, it's just travel, and you're never like constantly at home. It's hard to get consistency, and then in the midst of it, to be trying to cut weight and this and that. It's just. Um, when she talked about about studying for finals the day before, she didn't mention it, but that means she was cutting weight. Well, like you're depleting like, water I from need your brain. Audio books because like, yeah. how are you in like in the salt bath? trying oh to gosh. you know it's and she but, didn't like even it's a lot of respect for, or, yeah totally and she didn't even ask for an extension did you notice that yeah. well, i would have a hundred percent said hey how about next week yeah and they been like been i don't know if you that. know this but like <laughs> kind of a big deal i'm a, I'm a big deal <laughs> i'm a celebrity in your class yeah right and, and she would my been twitter justified. is verified that's right 
How, how crazy cool is that? I guess that's just a testament to She's a fighter, right? She's fine with fighting in every single aspect. But you know what's also cool is that like she's able to blend in on campus and just yeah. kind of do her thing and not have to worry about that stuff too. That's like, true. You could always, that's true. So I mentioned this. I went to a football school. Like I went to Oklahoma. You could see in Oklahoma, the Oklahoma athletes, like the football player, any of them, like you could just see them walking across the campus because there'd just be a herd of people with them. <laughs> that's crazy. And you know, in some ways it's hard for them to have like a genuine college experience or to be able to focus on the studies. Now, in a lot of those cases, they don't really care about the studies because they're trying to get to the sure. league. But like in Tisha's case, like she's trying to actually study and pass this class and do these things and not, you know, have the other perks that that's come with true. it. That's so, true, she's a real intellectual trying to Get into right. academics, right? Yeah, no, that's a very good point. So let's move on. We wanted to talk about Yair Rodriguez and BJ Penn fighting over this weekend. Uh, a lot of people expected BJ Penn to kind of be outshined by the younger Rodriguez, who's an incredible talent and prospect at featherweight. He, I mean, I've watched him fight in Houston at USC 192. You know, he's on the uh, Latin America season of the Ultimate Fighter. Just, I mean, this kid is a, is talented, and he he's very entertaining to watch. He kind of he throws things from every like kind of angle, you know? Oh man, it's incredible. And a lot of people when this fight was announced were like, what are you doing to BJ Penn? Like he doesn't stand a chance. And that was one of, I was one of them. And he sure enough, you know, barely escaped the first round. And uh, if I remember correctly, it came to an end of the second. And you know, so what was your read on the fight? Like, yeah, I thought it was BJ Penn done. Yeah, I mean, listen, like, I don't want to be callous. So this new guy, Todd Grisham, asked a really callously worded question at the, after the fight. He's like, uh, when he asked DC, uh, he said, hey, uh, was, is, it a, is Jair Rodriguez really just that good or is BJ that bad? Listen, BJ Penn is probably better with more skills than he ever has been in his life because he's continued to learn. The problem is, the cruelty of this is that your reflexes go, even if you become more wise and you become more knowledgeable. Speed and goes, power stays. It absolutely, and in featherweight, Mike, or lightweight, the lighter weight classes, speed matters a whole lot. And listen, his style as well. BJ was always, look back at the tape, guys. BJ was always a stalking, flat-footed counterfighter. He had amazing reflexes, like the double skip check stuff he did to George St. Pierre when he was younger. He really relied on being having better reflexes and better timing than his opponents, eventually that goes. It doesn't go because there's some character flaw or because you're less good. It just goes because you get older and you take blows and you age. And BJ has, to that end, if that's what we mean by done, he's been done for a while. I think over the last six or seven years, his record is like one, six, and one. He's struggled. He's one of the best fighters ever. In my view, I think he's probably the most skilled MMA fighter we've ever seen. And when someone that great starts, like their results start to precipitously uh, decline, it's because something's going on with their reflexes. And he's been taking a lot of damage for a lot of years. I really hope he stops fighting, and I really hope he's able to find something else that can satisfy him because it's got to be a a really, really hard thing to be such a young man, 38 years old, but to be a really old fighter and to be like, okay, my identity is gone, or a big chunk of my identity. What I love to do is, is gone. The thing that gives me the most excitement is gone. I, I don't criticize fighters for staying too long. I get it, and it's rough. But I, I hope to God he finds something that can keep him away from the ring because he should, he should stop. He took, a, he's, he took a bad beating. Yeah, it, you know, it's rough to see that too. Somebody like somebody you look up to in the sport or somebody who's had so – you know, he hasn't won since, like, what, 2011? Yeah, I think, like, 2011, 2010, when he knocked out Matt Hughes in their third fight. Yeah. But, it's you know, it's just it's just hard to watch. And yeah. Like, I, I understand you see it in every sport, but um, hopefully, 
you know, coaching or some, he can find something else. Uh, but, you know, it'd, it'd be really hard to see him walk into the cage again. Um, but let's move on. You wanted to do a different uh, oh, yeah. kind of game. We've been doing these lists <laughs> lately. We like lists. So this list is going to um, incorporate uh, some foresight from the both of us. And it's, a, it's an interesting premise, and I think it's one that's relevant. It's which fighters will have a big 2017. Now, for those who uh, didn't watch a couple weeks ago, we did um, kind of our awards for 2016. Yeah. So, you know, this is kind of building off of that, looking forward to who will have, you know, a big 2017. So, do you want to go first or? Sure, sure. Um, so, I know there's some co commonality. We, we, we looked at each other's list before. I'm not pretending to be a genius. These are all great fighters who had really good 2016. But these are, these are five folks that I'm expecting to have really, really good chance at having a gigantic 2017. First, a new bantamweight uh, world champion, Cody Garbrandt. Listen, man, if you can control and, and solidly, decisively beat someone as great as Dominic Cruz, although there's big challenges out there for you, like TJ Dillashaw, who's fighting next, I, <laughs> it's hard for me to bet against you. And if you can, if you can beat Dominic Cruz um, the way that uh, Cody was able to, and with the popularity and with the string of wins he's had and the look he's had, man, if this guy continues to win, he's going to be a, a gigantic star. And I don't see any reason he can't continue to win. So he's at the top of my list, Mike. I also have Joanna Zinjacek, another uh, champion. Uh, again, I'm not trying to be a genius here. Obviously, there's already great champions. But Joanna has, has some big tests in front of her. And, uh, Jessica Andrade being possibly one or Angela Hill, who she's facing next, uh, being another one in the wings. Uh, but that said, I think that she's faced and, and battled probably the big and beaten the biggest tests that are out there. Now, she might have to fight them again, like Claudia Cadella, who, who certainly earns another another shot. But Joanna continues to win. She is probably the most aggressive champion in MMA right now. She's one of the most skilled, well-rounded fighters we've got. She's probably the best striker, technically. I'll say it. I think she's probably the best striker in MMA, male or female, uh, and she's got a lot of charisma. I expect her to continue to win in 2017. No offense to her opponents, but if she continues to win, her star is going to continue to grow even bigger. Amanda Nunes um, now has, is, is next on my list. She's, she's made event to two of the biggest cards in UFC history, UFC 200, and this last one, UFC 207. She had gigantic uh, knockout wins, or stoppage wins, I should say, in both of those fights, and she happened to have done it against the two, probably the two most accomplished um, bantamweights in the history, I, definitely the two most accomplished bantamweights in the history of the sport. Misha Tate, the, the division's only two-time uh, world champion. Ronda Rousey, longest reigning, longest reign of any uh, champion. So Amanda Nunes is a real star, and it's going to be tough for anyone to beat her. And and you know what? When she lets loose with that with that mouth, like she lets loose with her with her fists in the cage, she's very entertaining outside as well. She's got a real sharp mind. Uh, and she has a lot to say. I'm, I'm still rooting for Damian Maya next on my list, number four, Mike. The guy earned uh, a welterweight title shot like 17 years ago by my count. And, uh, <laughs> and when, when, if, 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 when he finally gets it, uh, as great as Tyron Woodley is and as great as Stephen Wonderboy Thompson is, I think Maya could be right there with either one of them. Uh, I think if he gets him in a certain spot early in a fight, I, yeah, namely on the ground, that he can be a real threat to win the title close to his 40s. I'm looking for him to make another run into the second division. And last on my list, Conor McGregor 
Again, easy to say Connor will have a big 2017 because he will. He's going to probably make money doing any number of things outside of fighting. And he'll dominate headlines effortlessly. Absolutely. And and I'm looking forward to him doing it in the most recent way he's doing it. After his his second world title uh, victory, he basically said, I'm going to go to war with the UFC for more independence to get a piece of this pie. If he continues that fight in any form or fashion, it's going to be a big year for him. It's going to be an interesting year for him. That's an interesting list. There's uh, obviously some a couple common commonalities between our lists, so uh, I'll just jump into mine. Yeah. You know, there's a uh, this is ne- not necessarily in any particular order, but uh, uh, first name on my list is Cody Garbrandt. I think he had a strong case for being fighter of the year in 2016, and I had a hard time naming not naming him that. Um, but you know, he coming off a year with three first round knockouts and defeating the best bantamweight of all time to win the belt in dominant fashion. Crazy. Um, you know, so. Well, that was a big year for him. He, you know, he enters this year with a lot of momentum and a champion, and I think a lot of star power, and he has mm. the potential to build off of that and really um, really break out as a star. Definitely. You know, and, of course, with the news coming this week that he's going to be co-hosting The Ultimate Fighter with T.J. Dillashaw, like you know that's going to be um, a, big, a big boost to his pro- um, profile, I guess, publicly. It's going to be huge. Every week you're going to see some Cody. Yeah, you know? <laughs> and that they, they're not necessarily two guys who are uh, fond of each other. There's already been a lot of trash talk, but there's trash talk before the Cruise fight. So, it you know, was. it's going to be an entertaining show to watch. It will be. Um, the next one on my na- list is Amanda Nunes. And, and mainly what put me on there, uh, put her on there for me, you know, she's coming off wins over the two best in the sport, and Misha Tate and uh, Ronda Rousey, both first-round finishes. She submitted uh, a wrestling expert in Tate and then knocks out Rousey. Um, so she's got a lot of momentum, first bantamweight champion, and now she's set her sights on that 145 pound. And not only was she the first Brazilian female champion, she could become the first woman to win two belts in two different weight classes if the UFC lets her uh, pursue it. Now it gets messy because Cyborg's so, waiting in the wings too. Yeah, and to if, the extent that that's a belt. That it, right. It right. So like who gets the... Uh, who gets the shot? Like, if yeah. she gets the shot before Cyborg, then, like, it could happen. If yeah. Cyborg gets the shot first, like, that could be a big plot line, um, her pursuing it. But I don't know that I'd see her beating Either way, Cyborg. it's big news for Amanda Nunes, right? She's in that well, picture. Yeah, and it's letting the UFC, you know, let her pursue something um, like that. And it's obviously marketable. And I think the U.S., you know, it's good on the UFC for coming around creating this belt. I wish they would have it would have handled it a little differently and sure. Cyborg would be in that fight. But, you know, they're, they stacked a lot of cards and they're kind of feeling the effects of that. So... Uh, you know, can't complain about cards not being stacked, and then, you know, when they are stacked, complain about how the results <laughs> of stacking the cards. So, but anyways, um, I digress. <laughs> Next on my list, Habib. I'm not even. I always mess up. I'll make it a go. So I butcher it every week. Nurma Komedov. Yeah. If I take my time, I don't do it horribly. Oh, well, I mean, it, we know now that he's fighting for the interim title at UFC 209, which. <laughs> we won't get into that discussion, but he's finally he's finally getting the shot at the title, yeah. and uh, you know that'll set up a fight with Conor McGregor, and you know I think that'll just kind of push him to another level mm. and get him you know to the casual fans, maybe make him more of a fixture than he already is. Um, the other person is Donald Cerrone. You know he's came he's got he's won every fight at welterweight. He's got another four fight win streak. If he beats Jorge Masvidal at UFC Denver, he yeah. that's five. And, you know, now he's working his way into a, a really crowded title picture. You know, he's right behind Damian Maya. Sure. So he, maybe he gets another title yeah. shot, and it could be a big year for him. And originally, 
I was going to say the winner of Woodley Thompson. Uh-huh. Uh, whoever wins that fight is going to have a big 2017 because they, um, you know, they're just set up. I, I think I could see, uh, I think I could see Thompson beating Maya, and I think I could see, I could see how Woodley could beat Maya. Mm-hmm. Um, neither, it's not guaranteed, but like, I think, you know, they win, they set themselves up for like some big fights yeah. down the road, and then they'll be um, the center of attention. Uh, of course, it's a tough division to repeat, but I'm gonna say Tisha Torres, Nice. Uh, swayed me, and nice. she's going to be my fifth fighter on this list. Nice. And, I was like, and the reason why is, you know, she hasn't fought in a year. She's still high in the rankings. Joanna Yejunchak has cl- basically cleared out the division. Like, who's, you know, Claudia again, Carolina again? Like, you know, maybe Carla Esparza, but she's like, got to fight. Like, who's, who's fighting her? And if Tisha gets a couple wins, yeah. you know, she fights. She gets a win in Houston. She fights, you know, again by May, gets another win. Like, maybe she's the next title shot. I think and that's very true. So she's only has one official loss, right? You know, and it was a close one right. in Rose. So she's up at the top of that division. So, you know, she could have a big year. Uh, but anyways, I love it, man. That's a good list, bro. Let's try and get our next guest on the line. He is famed MMA coach. Am I saying his name right? Angelo? Angelo? Okay. Yeah, that's the way I say it. So we'll let him correct us. <laughs> Angelo Rodriguez. That's what I say. So let's call and get him. You always put nice flourishes on people's name, by the way. You say you put the S and ends of George. Put the emphasis. <laughs> you do. You do some really fun put things. Put the emphasis on the wrong syllable. <laughs> Hello. Hello. Well, it looks like we had him on the line, but mm. I don't know what's going on. Audio's been um, maybe we can get him to call back. Yeah. Give him a second. I'll shoot him a message. Anyways, we'll, we'll keep talking about my list. <laughs> there we are. Hello. Can you hear us? We've got a burst of eardrums as soon as this audio gets worse. Hello. Oh, it's almost like we heard him right there. Yeah. Weird. Wouldn't wouldn't be a day in the life of the Extra Rounds podcast without technical difficulties. <laughs> so, anyways, we're trying to get Angela Reyes on, who's a, a big a big time boxing uh, striking coach uh, for boxers, kickboxers, and MMA fighters alike. He's also uh, co-host the Cage Shiders with Jeremy Long. Um, it's called uh, the uh, the Cage Hatters with Jeremy Long and the Coach, and he's the Coach, and it's on uh, ESPN Radio in Las Vegas, and you can listen to it on iTunes uh, if you're not in a uh, Vegas local. So Angelo is who we're trying to get on. He's been a guest before. He's always got a lot of analysis. Oh, looks like we coach. got him finally. Took us. Hey, guys, can you hear me? Yeah. Yes. Okay. Yeah. I'm sorry. I'm uh, I'm actually uh, inside uh, Planet Hollywood. Doing one of those uh, vitality oxygen O2 things, so uh, I don't know if it's the reception <laughs> or what's going on. Sorry, guys. Sorry, sorry. Oh, so far so good. Now, thanks, Coach. We know we understand right, technical difficulties. Yeah. Phones, things technical happen. Technical difficulties, <laughs> especially when you're at the Planet Hollywood. So, uh, for, first of all, thank you for uh, taking the time out to talk to us. I know you and I talked uh, a while back, and we were trying to get you on the show, and it didn't work out. So. Um, 
we wanted to talk originally about Ronda Rousey's performance at UFC 207. Now, you're a boxing coach, so the boxing is the main talking point after that fight and why she keeps trying to box when she's not a boxer. So I was kind of wondering if you could share your assessment of 207 and what Ronda Rousey's future holds for her. Yeah, no, um, I actually, we, we actually just talked about this on, on our show, The Cage Sliders here in uh, ESPN Las Vegas. And, um, you know, and I, I've talked to uh, Kevin Ioli about it, and uh, I think I did a Chicago Land Sports show. It's pretty much, guys, you know, I know that a lot of people are saying Ronda's done, Ronda's done, Ronda's done. I don't believe that at all. I believe that she worked. She, she's a great athlete. She worked really hard and got herself physically ready. Um, yes, there is. She's. Obviously, having lost the first time the way she did against Holly Holm, uh, it would have sh- it shot her confidence down. Uh, and you know this this one, even though it, it, it was a really bad loss, I still believe that she can come back. And I think that the biggest difference that really needs to change is she needs to have her mom one hundred percent involved in her in her fighting again. Um, I, I actually don't think, in terms of mental health, um, confidence-wise, if she's ready to leave the sport now, kind of like we saw Misha Tate do, right? Misha Tate, I think, didn't make the decision before uh, the fight with Raquel Pennington in 205. I think she made it. I think she even said it. She made it, like, in the second round or something, when she just didn't want to fight anymore. Um, and I think that that was the correct way of, uh, of retiring. I think with Ronda, she's searching. I think she's a truth a truth seeker, you know, she's, she's searching for where she wants to be again. And, and I think that the best guide for her is her mother. I think that her, her mom is the one that made her a champion. I think that it's her mom that really got her to be at the level that she needs to be. So um, if she were to come back again, if, if, if I had a, a magical way of telling Dana, hey, you should have Ron to come back, um, I would say, you know what, have your mom be the head coach. And whichever coaches your mom want you to work with, that's who you should work with. Because I think that uh, she has her mom's trust. I think that physically she could still go out there. And um, whatever style it is that her mom feels she needs to do, I think that uh, Rhonda could be right back on top. If, if, if that's what she wants to do, if that's what she wants to do, I 100% believe Rhonda could be right back on top. You know that means, uh, of course, if she did that, Coach, that means that Edmund Tarvidian is out. Because as we, if you, well, we've, needs to be, we've talked about yeah, this, he, His, her mom does not like him from a moral standpoint, from a technical standpoint. So you're aware of that. Like you, you, you clearly don't think she's being super well served from a striking perspective by Edmund. Right. Well, I mean, it's not even so much that, guys. Look, like in boxing, it's a results-oriented business. That's why losses really matter a lot in boxing. And I know that in MMA, and, and, and again, guys, you know, uh, I, I realize I've only been in MMA nowhere near as long as, uh, as, as so many of the legendary coaches that are, that are here. But one thing is for sure, man, this nowadays, especially with the way the UFC is structured, it's a results-oriented business. And you're either winning, like you want to check, or if you're not winning, you're going to get cut pretty soon. So usually, I mean, especially now moving forward with, WME and IMG, um, you better win a lot, man. You know, and um, and Edmund losing two in a row in the biggest stage, I can understand why everybody's sitting there and saying, yeah, you need a different coach. And I'm not even saying, you know, anything personally about Edmund. I'm just saying that uh, it, it, it's happened to Freddie Roach. It's happened to a lot of people. It, it's, if you lose too much with a fighter, 
And especially when you got the hottest name in Ronda Rousey and you lose that emphatically, you, you, she actually lost worse this time around than she did last time. Then yeah, it's definitely time for a change. You know what I mean? Miguel Cotto is with Freddie Roach now because that happened when Miguel was with Pedro Diaz. You know, so, so it's the same thing. It's, it's like, look, man, it's not, we're not trying to say, Edmund, you're like, I'm not saying it. I'm not saying Edmund, you're a bad guy. I'm saying Ronda needs to change. And if Ronda's going to continue to get beaten the head, um, then yes, you know, she definitely needs to change. So, um, and I, and I really believe that it's her mom that can get her back to that, you know, aggressive, grab you, throw you down, judo, submit you, Ronda Rousey. So that's why I think, uh, Ronda's mom should be the head coach. There's an old adage, and I think Ronda Rousey even alluded to it into her, her biography about, uh, you know, you reaching a point with a coach where they can't teach you anything else, and then it's time to move on and find somebody else. And that might be happening here. But let's talk about one of your guys, um, Alessandro Ricci. He's fighting on the Halifax card. It's his second UFC bout. You know, what, what do fans who aren't aware of him yet need to know about Alessandro? Um, you know, uh, Alessandro came to me uh, because uh, Robin Black, who uh, well, actually used to be his manager before Robin Black, became uh the what what is he uh awarded for mma uh uh he's nominated for mma analyst yeah yeah yeah. but prior to all of that guys he was actually a uh fighters manager and he uh managed alessandro richie and uh when alessandro was uh coming to vegas in ufc 200 uh robin set it up to make sure we got a chance to meet each other and then uh the minute i met alessandro i was saying to myself and he wasn't in the ufc yet at the time but uh, he told me a story. He told me about how 2016 was, was going to be his final year of trying to make it into the UFC. And, and if he didn't make it, then he was just going to hang it all up. And kind of reminded me a little bit of a Rocky Balboa story in a way. And he, he told me about how he dedicated his life to martial arts. And he lived in Thailand for three years. And, and uh, uh, I, I really gravitated towards that attitude and, 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 and how spiritual he was. But... Just in terms of his physical attributes, guys, I'm telling you, man, if you watch some of the films on this guy from Contender Asia and the way he would do his Muay Thai, knockout power in both hands, very fast, great kicks, great knees. So I, I think he's one of those talents that people just kind of underestimate or miss. Um, and, uh, and it's been fun to teach him the MMA striking system because I think it complements his style very well, and, and we're really excited to uh, uh, showcase it in Halifax. I know he really wanted to get on that Toronto card, and I don't, that didn't come to fruition. Is he happy that he's fighting in Canada, at least? Um, you know, he, he would have been happy fighting anywhere. Like, seriously, guys, um, he was, he, when he heard about um, the Cowboy Cerrone incident in 205, he, he called me from Toronto, and he was like, you know, hey, coach, can we get in on that one? I'll fight Cerrone at 170, you know what I mean? The guy, that's why, you know, he's kind of like always hashtagging I'm the sixth man from the six, you know, kind of doing a, a play on that Drake song with Lou Will um, being the sixth man of the year for the Toronto Raptors at the time. And, and, and he's always, you know, said to Sean Shelby, I'll fight anybody, doesn't matter who. Um, I'm, here, I'm here to be a company man. I'm here to, to fight anyone you guys want to be because to me, to his, his goal is he wants the championship. And he doesn't care if Connor still has the belt. He doesn't care who has the belt. He wants to get to the belt as quickly as he can because he realizes he's not getting any younger, and he wants to he wants to prove to WME IMG, look, man, stop talking about George St. Pierre. He's no longer with the UFC. I'm in the UFC, so let's start talking about me and 
and Random Marcos and Elias and all of these other people, uh, Michelle, you know, like he's saying, we got all these great people in the greater Toronto area. Let's start talking about us Canadians and stop talking about George St. Pierre so much. He's not even in the league. So uh, he didn't get the results he was hoping for in his first fight. Was there just kind of some nerves or is there something that he can walk away with that he learned that maybe he didn't know going in that'll change going forward? Um, well, I mean, part of it, yes, absolutely. Actually, part of it is, uh, one, uh, unfortunately, um, uh, when he got the last-minute call, um, I couldn't be with him at the time because I was with another Toronto fighter. Uh, he's a boxer. His name's uh, Milos Pentelic. Uh, we're going to be getting ready for a Canadian title fight pretty soon. But um, I was with him, and Alex had called me, and I couldn't be with Alex, so... Uh, game planning wise, um, you know, we, we really, we just were in the infancy of working together and we hadn't gotten a chance to really kind of show them the system the way it works. Uh, but the other thing too is, and, and this is just no knock on Jeremy Kennedy, but guys, that style of fighting that Jeremy Kennedy does is exactly what Dana White doesn't like. He doesn't like, uh, somebody who's just going to grind and not try to go for the knockout. I mean, win or lose, man, you're going to get a 50, you're going to get a $50,000 bonus if you go out there and you go try for a knockout. And that's the type of fighter Alessandro Richie is. is He's going for the knockout. And when you match him up with someone like like, uh, uh, a Jeremy Kennedy, you know, it's ugly, man. You know I mean? That guy was just grabbing the stall. I mean, we hate that in boxing, you know? It's kind of like a Tyson Fury-type style um, uh, way of fighting. And, And that's really what happened. What happened is, in my opinion, Jeremy Kennedy didn't want to get knocked out. So he ended up grabbing a lot and stalling. Um, I think one of the judges even had Richie winning. I think it was the first round because if Richie hits you with the knees and Richie hits you with his uh, with his hands and his kicks, he's gonna he's gonna hurt you pretty bad. And, and I think Jeremy Kennedy knew that coming in. So um, if that rematch ever gets to happen, guys, I, I you know anywhere, I promise you, uh, I was under Richie will knock him out this time around. I was under a Richie old knockabout. So I think it was more that. I think it was more Jeremy Kennedy didn't want to fight, and I was under a, uh, had an eight-day notice. Hey, nobody wants to lose the, the newcomer on eight days' notice. No so that, perfectly, that makes sense. And I love Muay Thai. That's like my favorite style. I enjoy watching that. But, you know, with your background in boxing, let's get your uh, opinion on something else. Everybody's been talking all month long, it seems like, about this Conor McGregor or Floyd Mayweather. Mayweather went on. ESPN and said he made an offer to Mayweather or to McGregor. Dana White goes on Fox Sports and says, uh, "I got a real offer for you, Floyd Mayweather. What's going back and forth?" If they right. were, if they were to ever actually fight, does McGregor stand a chance at all in boxing? Not, not, not even a little bit, guys. Not even a little bit. And I'm, and I and I, and I, I talked about this yesterday on Submission Radio too. Uh, uh, but it, it's it's one of these things where. People, you have to understand, the two sports are completely different. Um, they're really different. Uh, baseball, football, different, guys. So, so McGregor being able to do what he's done in MMA is amazing. But people need to stop saying that he's doing it off of boxing because he, he's not. He's doing it because he's a great martial artist, and his karate is outstanding. That's why he's knocking these guys out. But it isn't because, I mean, in pure boxing, he couldn't do that to Nate Diaz. And to be honest with you, in the second fight, I had Nate Diaz winning that fight, too. Like like Floyd said, uh, he had Nate winning. And I, I had Nate winning. Um, because if it was just straight hands, Connor, if, if Connor and Nate fought again, and it was just straight hands, uh, Connor will lose. He'll probably get knocked out to the body. 
just just being real and just being honest with you guys. So Connor's a great martial artist, and he's going to continue to be the champion if he continues to fight the way he's fighting. Um, in fact, me and Frank are kind of like on opposite sides of the the Khabib idea because he he said, oh, well, Khabib's going to destroy Connor. And I disagree. I think if Khabib fights Connor, Connor's going to knock him out. I'm probably, I don't know if I'm one of the few people that would say that, but I really believe that if Connor fights Khabib, um, Connor will knock him out. Um, I mean, you know, you got to give credit where credit is due. So when we're talking about Mayweather, uh, McGregor, let's give credit where credit is due. M- Mayweather is our highest level black belt in the art of boxing. 49 have tried, 49 have failed. And now you're going to ask a guy who's never even had a real amateur boxing career or a real professional boxing career to step in the ring with the very best we've had? I mean, look, man, maybe Connor should try, like, like um, an amateur tournament first or something. Or maybe he should try, like, a four-round starter in boxing first to really appreciate the art. Because c- could you imagine how mad everybody would get if – Floyd said, oh, well, I'll just go to the Eddie Bravo Invitational and I'll go tap out Gilbert Burns, right? Like, people would be pissed because even if even if, if Floyd had been studying jiu-jitsu for three years, he's not going to be able to just go to the Eddie Bravo Invitational and, and, and tap out anybody. You know what I mean? And, and, and that's kind of the same thing that Connor's try, trying to say. So, no, guys, I, I mean, honestly, the only way that fight even lasts a minute is if, if Floyd allows it to last a minute. Um, but that's not, that's not me being a Connor hater because I love Connor and I'm a big fan of Connor's. Um, and I know he's athletic enough to learn the art of boxing, but Connor needs to do what people like Alessandro Ricci's doing. Alessandro Ricci's at the Mayweather gym. He's actually learning from the, May- the money team's roster of boxers. Um, Jay Leon Love, who's one of the top boxers that you guys are going to see him uh, win a, 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 middle, a super middleweight championship this year, he's kind of gravitated towards Alessandro. And, and even right now, uh, Jay Leon Love, I think you guys saw in an interview, he even said, look, man, Connor couldn't even outbox Alessandro Ritchie in boxing, much less someone like Floyd, you know? So, so if Connor really wants to do it, my question to you guys would be, who would be his boxing coach? What boxing expert do you guys think he could go to to actually even teach him how to do well enough to be in a boxing ring with Connor? You, do you have any ideas, guys? No, no, uh, no, no one could. Just like no one could prepare Floyd to fight Connor in a real fight or an MMA. You're absolutely right from my perspective. There's just, that was a subtle dig. I like that. Well, I mean, a it's just real a, fight. It, well, it is. It's true. It's, it's, it's pointless to talk about someone going from a more liberalized uh, fight style to a more prohibitive one. It's, it's really strange, especially when that person has drawn more pay-per-views over the last two years than, than Floyd. So, yeah, Coach, I'm with you that no one, he, wouldn't, he wouldn't have a chance in, in boxing and Floyd wouldn't have a chance in MMA, in my view. But people yeah, are obsessed with it. People are obsessed yeah, with this yeah. potential fight. Like, and is it just, you know, I'm entrenched in the MMA side of things. Is it just the MMA community or as somebody in the boxing community, are they just laughing at the notion of this? No, no. And you know what? Nobody's laughing at him, actually. Everybody loves Connor. Even in the boxing community, community you'll hear everybody say, no, we got nothing but respect for Connor. And, and, and we understand why Connor wants to do it because boxing money is pretty high. Yeah. And that's true. You know, I mean, that's like, we're, nobody's hating on Connor McGregor. It's like, of course, man. You know, everybody would love to see um, any type of matchup. And if people are willing to pay for a freak show, then uh, great, right? But, you know, at the end of the day, man, you know, like, look, if, if Connor really wanted to make it real, like, for real, 
Floyd Mayweather already said this, and, and again, I'm not misquoting it because he was in ESPN. He said he pretty much was implying, show me what Conor McGregor really made, and whatever that is, I will double it. So if he made ten million, I'll give him twenty million plus pay per view cuts. If he made twenty million, I'll give him forty million. Guaranteed plus pay per view cuts. Guys, that's about as fair as it's gonna get. But we all know what's gonna happen here. Floyd, Floyd Mayweather needs to get uh, uh, his $100 million. That's his minimum. And, again, he could prove that because on, on Instagram, he already showed the picture of, uh, of, of the $100 million check he received as a minimum. So he's got to make his $100 million. And, um, and he's the A-side. And if we're talking boxing, guys, he's the A-side. So, you know, I know they're going to try to say blah this and blah that. Yes, Connor is popular, but... Nobody's going to buy $100 for a pay-per-view to watch Conor get his ass kicked in boxing, you know, in basically less than a minute. I mean, that's, you know. Unless it's against Floyd. They'll watch, they'll watch Floyd do it, but they won't, they won't watch him do it against someone that'll – because you're right, Coach. He'll probably get smoked okay. by a guy that's 2-0 and in boxing. No one's going to pay for that. So you're right, Conor. I mean, Floyd is probably the, the A-side in, in boxing 100%. Even, you know why? Because he worked out a better deal for himself. You know, he just he right. makes he makes a hundred million, uh, even if he even if he sells three hundred thousand against Birdo. You know, he and good for him. Right, right, and here, and here's you know what here's what I would counter with Dana because you because in boxing the people are really smart with how to put together fights. So if you really want to prove that Connor even has a chance, and and you want Connor to make you know the fifty million or whatever it is that Connor wants, then have. Dana offered that $25 million to someone like Pauli Malignaggi. Because Pauli Malignaggi is one of the... Pauli Malignaggi is one of the, the best top uh, uh, boxers we've ever had. He's a uh, two-time world champion. Um, he, he's lighter than, uh, than Connor, yeah. but, but again, his boxing skill is very high. And again, Pauli's never really been known for power, but I can tell you guys, his punches don't tickle, man. And, <laughs> and, and, and the guy, and the guy's an amazing boxer, actual, like, pure, you know, boxing, using the jab, movement. And Pauli went on our show and said, look, man, if I go to, I'll go to Ireland. And I'll box, uh, I'll box Connor, and I'll knock him out. So if a non, if one of our non, if one of our boxers that's a non-power puncher guy is saying, I will stop Connor McGregor in Ireland. Well, now let's promote that. <laughs> Go ahead, Dana. Go ahead. Let's promote that. Let's do Ireland. Conor McGregor versus Pauli Malignaggi, and the UFC could run the whole show the way Dana was talking about it. And then, if Conor actually beats Pauli, even by decision, guys, even if it's controversial, even if Pauli gets robbed, who cares now? Now, you know, Conor could sit there and say, I went, you know, 10 rounds or, or 12 rounds with, with the two-time world champion, Pauli Malinaji. I told you I can do it, and I could beat the hell out of Floyd Mayweather. Stop running for me. Now you got something real. Now, gentlemen, you got something real. You know, and that's how you would promote this correctly. At least for that's my suggestion. Well, he ain't going you know? the distance with Pauly either, so that would ruin that plan, Coach. <laughs> well, well, at least he gets paid twenty five million. Right, yeah, right, right, right. No, totally, <laughs> Coach. I got, I, I got one last question for you. Mike might have another, but I got one last one. I, I know you, um, you did some work with Jessica Andrade, but I, I'm, we're curious how, how much you got to, how much time you got to spend with her, and we're curious how far away do you think she is from from being able to, if she gets the opportunity, 
um, to to become the world champion. Yeah, no, um, yeah, you, you, you know, I, I got to tell you guys, man. Uh, so Tiago Akamura, who um, I got to have a relationship with since the Frank Mir fight in Brazil. So I've known him for a couple of years now, actually. Um, when he first had Joanna Jinchechek, even back then, he was asking me. He was like, hey, coach, hmm. uh, whenever you have time, could you please take a look at her? I just kind of want you to know what you what you think. And um, I, I don't know if she had already – I don't think she was a champion yet back then. Maybe she already was. But um, we just – you know, schedule-wise, it was just hard because I'm training boxers and and, and then I'm training – you know, I'm tra- I was training Frank at the time. And, uh, and, and, and so when we finally got to do it, uh, I did get to train Yoara uh, a little bit and evaluate kind of her, where her skill set was at at that time. So to be fair, this was in 2015. So she's gotten better since then. Um, but um, in, in evaluating it, I was telling Tiago, I was like, no, she's good, man. She, I mean, she's good. She's, she's the champ. She's going to win a lot of fights. But, you know, I mean, there's nothing. There's not, the only thing that excited me about Joanna was her attitude. Like, her, like, she was very confident. But in terms of, like, even her striking power or any of that stuff, she doesn't have one-punch power, guys. She throws a lot of volume, and, um, and that's why she's able to beat a lot of people. But you've kind of, you've kind of noticed that within the last, within the last uh, two fights with Claudia Galdea, where Joanna uh, got knocked down with a jab, and I think it was in the first round, and then um, with um, uh, Carolina, and we know that Carolina's not a power puncher either, but she was able to really push the pace and kind of turn that into a a gaudy ward type fight, you know, you can really see that where Ioannis's weaknesses lie. And, you know, I hope that American top team, which is a great team, can go ahead and possibly um, kind of close a lot of the holes that Ioannis is showing in her game. But if they don't do it soon enough, man, somebody's going to beat her. Um, but in terms of Jessica Andrade, 100%, if Jessica Andrade fought her next, after uh, Angela Hill, if, if Jessica Andrade gets that chance, she'll beat her. She will beat Joanna. What, you know, I mean, again, it won't be easy. So I'm not saying it like, oh, it's going to be an easy fight. Um, but she will. She has all the. She has the tools that it will take to beat someone like uh, uh, Joanna. And the one thing that Joanna has over Jessica is uh, striking. It's. I don't want to say experience, but. Joanna is a pure striker versus um, Jessica is still more of an MMA fighter, uh, over, you know, an overall MMA fighter. And we know how great uh, Jessica is on the ground. You know, I mean, you know, how everybody talks about uh, uh, Ronda Rousey's armbar. Well, Jessica's uh, guillotine is pretty awesome. You guys saw what she did to uh, Joanne Calderwood, and she even had Liz Carmouche like in the in, in the first her very first fight, she had Liz Carmouche in, in that first round. So uh, Jessica Andrade has definitely got the tools on the ground and the grappling, um, and she does. I, I when I felt her punching power, to be honest with you guys. 100% Jessica Andrade hits way harder. I mean, like, night and day. Like, if if if, uh, if Joanna Jinchechek was Pauli Malinaji, then uh, Jessica Andrade was Mike Tyson. Like, it was a t- completely different way of hitting. So even on a trade-off, if, if Jessica Andrade and uh, Joanna were to trade, on a blow-per-blow, blow, Jessica would knock down Joanna. But on a, uh, on a numbers game... Joanna would most likely uh, beat her. Uh, you know, and, and again, I'm analyzing it. I'm just being honest. 
Um, but if Jessica continues to, to work with the coaches that she's working with, I know that uh, when she was here in Vegas, she's working closely with Drysdale, and then she was here with me for the week. And um, I'm actually um, – we're, we're still working out the details because I'm, I'm uh, training Alessandro Ricci right now in Vegas. But uh, I think Tiago is working on making sure that I'm there in Houston too for the fight with uh, Angela Hill. So I'll keep you guys updated with that. Um, and again, not to say, I mean, she's got a, an amazing head coach in, in uh, Gilliard Parana, uh, and they have a great team there at Parana Valley Tudo over in Brazil. So um, so I believe that uh, uh, Jessica is going to beat Angela Hill anyways, um, even though Angela Hill is, is great, man, and, and Angela Hill's in a, in, a, in a great camp with a great team. I know she's coming out of a 4-0 victory, but guys, we already know that there's a big difference between Invicta and the UFC. You know, if you're still fighting in Invicta, it's because you're not ready to be in the show. So once you make it to the show, it's a little different. So just because Angela Hill won four in a row, let's not forget she won four in a row in Invicta. Fighting Jessica Andrade as her comeback fight in the UFC, that's a tough go, man. That's a really tough go. So I, I honestly can't see Angela Hill uh, making it the distance with someone like Jessica Andrade. And if she does make it the distance against someone like Jessica Andrade, it's probably going to be because Angela Hill is running around a lot and uh, trying not to get knocked out. I'm just being honest. I'm keeping it real. <laughs> you know, I don't see Angela Hill knocking out Jessica Andrade in any way, shape, or form at all. So um, that's where that's where I'm at when it comes to Jessica Andrade. So we were uh, we were running out of time, but we were talking about it before you got on the phone about the show you were doing. So I was wondering maybe you could take some time out to let everybody know where they can catch up with this new show you're doing. Uh, Jeremy Long um, on ESPN Radio in Las Vegas. Yeah, no, we uh, we started this in November. It's become kind of a fun project. We're only going into our, uh, we just finished episode nine of it. Um, but yeah, for the local listeners, they can hear it on uh, ESPN Radio Las Vegas. And um, I think they also show, uh, they air it sometimes on uh, NBC Sports Radio Las Vegas. Uh, but uh, for the non-local listeners, it's called The Cage Siders. You guys can subscribe to it on iTunes. Um, and, and it's been fun. You know, we've already had Polly Molinaj as a guest, Jessica Andrade as a guest, Tiago Akamura, Jason House, um, uh, Mauro Ronaldo, Kevin Ioli. So it's got to, I got to get you guys on there. I'm trying to get you, you, you two busy guys. I'm trying to get you guys anytime to, you to want. come in this show. Anytime you okay, want. Okay, anytime. All right, all right. Well, when I, when I get back from uh, possibly Houston then, awesome. maybe that show, and then we could do a, we could do a recap or something. Be, it's a lot of fun. It, thank you. That would be great. Yeah, it, it is a lot of fun. Everyone, if you, if you haven't listened to the Cage Chatters yet, you guys definitely got to. You're more of this energy and expertise from the coach, Angelo. It's, it's a good time. And I'll be in Houston, so I'll see you there. That's right. That's right. Yeah, oh, that's awesome. That is awesome. Hey, you know what we should do is we should probably do, uh, do, do some training. Now we can, do, we can catch up, right? We yeah. Do some stuff there. Get it done. Okay, yeah. cool. <laughs> well, thanks cool, so much for cool, uh, taking cool. the time out to talk to us today. Hey, thank you, guys. Thank you. Thanks, Coach. Take care. All right. Bye-bye. All right. There we go. So that pretty much brings us to a halt. Sorry for the technical difficulties. Those of you who didn't watch the show and just listen to the podcast, some of this might not make sense. (laughs) But if you do watch the show, it's on the Facebook Sports Illustrated MMA page uh, or Sports Illustrated MMA Facebook page. Um, If you're unaware, it'll make a little bit more sense. But thank you, everyone, for listening. As always, uh, if you want, you can subscribe in either iTunes, uh, Google Store, um, TuneIn, the Stitcher app. We're in all of those things, and please make sure to review. We'd really appreciate it. And as always, every Wednesday, uh, we 
offer our fans to call in and leave a voicemail with a question. And if you have a question, we'll play it on the air and we will answer your question on air. The number is 815-570-3923. So until then, we'll see you next time.